0: Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Wanted to tell you about House of Carbs, hosted by one of my best friends, Joe House. I've known him since 1988, and the entire time I've known him, he's been very, very hungry. And now he has a chance to host a podcast about being hungry. All the things that make him hungry, the food that he loves, it is a podcast by The Hungry for the hungry and it's not your typical foofy food podcast where they're talking about foie gras and all that stuff no no we're talking about diners we're talking about fried chicken sandwiches pizza slices best chinese food everything you everything you talk about with food is on this podcast and with great guests like david chang uh chris bianco Jimmy Kimmel, bunch of people coming up. All of them love food. Nobody loves food quite as much as Joe Hass. But listen, check this out. Subscribe right now to Hassup Carbs wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Tate Frazier, and I just took a long flight back from North Carolina just to see your beautiful face on this Monday morning. Mike Lombardi. Lombardi, how you doing?
2: I, I'm good, Tate Frazier. I'm good. I'm excited. What a great weekend. We finally got through the preseason, two weeks of preseason, regular season called preseason. And now we actually, yesterday was really a fun day. I had the Bob Lamont Bowl. You know what the Bob Lamont Bowl is? I do was? not. Please explain. The Bob Lamont Bowl is, he's a famous, he's Mike Holmgren's history teacher. Okay. OK, who became an agent. Oh, OK. He represented Mike Holmgren. Then he represented all of Mike Holmgren's guys. Yep. So he's got Andy Reid. So he's a, co- he's a coach agent. And so he represents Ben McAdoo and he <laughs> represents Doug Peterson. So I call it the Bob Lamont Bowl because basically Lamont kind of got both guys. their job there. Mm-hmm. He got because he convinced the Eagles to that, buy in on Peterson. To buy in on Peterson when they couldn't get McAdoo. OK. So he's responsible for both franchises. So I think next time they play, he should do the coin toss. So we
1: should blame him for the NFC East, for all exactly. that, for well, half also, of it at least.
2: No, no, he not half of it. He has Jay, he has Jay Gruden, too.
1: Oh, wow. So he has Jay Gruden, wow. too.
2: So, yeah, no, it's the Bob Lamont ball. It's, and he has Howie Roseman, the GM of the Eagles. It's, it's fascinating. <laughs> There's so much intrigue in there. I, I don't know if I'm going to write that. That's not going to be in this book. Because I actually did write a little bit about it, but my editor's like, maybe we should leave that alone for another book. And I said, I think I'll do that.
1: I like how you're splitting this out. You really you're letting the brand hold up. You're gonna spread it out into different books. We're gonna try have different to. Stories. Yeah, no, I, I, like don't, I don't. I don't
2: want to be a one. T- I mean, I ain't Peter Frampton. You know who Peter Frampton is? No. Peter Frampton was actually.
1: Yeah, I do. Is he Rolling Stones? Maybe. No, no. no. Okay. He
2: was some. When I was growing up, okay, okay. you had to have Frampton Comes Alive. That okay. was an album. Like, if you didn't have that album in your collection, you were nobody. But he really had like no successful album other than Frampton Came Alive. It's like one of the most ridiculously selling albums of all time, but that was the only album he's really had. And he still plays songs from that album. I'd go here and play those songs, but that would be it. I don't want to be Frampton.
1: Okay. Well, Although I don't,
2: Frampton's successful though, but I don't want you to let's be Frampton go back, either. Let's go back to football. Here's the key. This weekend, I want to name the weekend, right? Yes. It's False Face Weekend. Okay. You know who False Face is?
1: Yes. We were just talking about this earlier. It's a perfect microcosm of what we saw this weekend where we thought a lot of things, just like we talked about in our segment. You think you know a lot, but you really don't know That's right
2: here. That's why I put the sign over here. And if you I...
1: don't know, now you know. We're going to shout out to Biggie Pop on this one.
2: Yeah. I mean, because like this weekend, like you think you know, but you really don't know. Like uh, you think Pittsburgh was a good team. And then they go into Chicago and lose in overtime to Chicago. Like, how does this happen? But then last year in week two or week three, they lose in Philadelphia. They get killed in Philadelphia. They have a bad weekend. Jacksonville destroys the Ravens. Everybody's on Twitter. Lombardi, you said the Ravens were good on defense. Yeah, I think they are pretty good on defense, but they weren't good last. They weren't good yesterday.
1: Best home field advantage in football in London for the Jacksonville Jaguars.
2: That's the, I think that's the first time they won over there. Isn't yeah, they?
1: well, they finally blew it out. They finally got comfortable. Their fans were there, you know, cheering, chanting all about it. So I, I was I, happy for the Jaguars. Finally, I, a home game they can win. I
2: really liked watching it too. It was fun. Like it was like perfect. Like, I, and I got a phone call from uh, somebody that was played in the game last night, like around ten o'clock. So they're already back in the. United States like that was pretty good like <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking they're already back in the United States that's not bad.
1: that's a really quick turnaround
2: Th- they were back by one what well, was East Coast time so they were back by one so that's uh, you get that's like way earlier than the Raiders are going to get home from Washington last night yeah so it wasn't too bad but then like you go through it all like okay we think Seattle's good on defense and they go give up all those yards to DeMarco Murray and Henry and Russian okay we think um we think Tampa's good they lose to Case Keenum mm-hmm All right. We think handily to Case Keenum. It wasn't wasn't even a game. I mean, that really wasn't even a game. I mean, we think Oakland's good and they get handled by the Redskins. I mean, there's like 10 points. I mean, you think Carolina, you were at the Carolina game. You think they're good?
1: No, I do not. I was at the Carolina Saints game yesterday, and uh, that first drive, they go down. It looks like a promising drive. Cam Newton looks like he's back at it. They get held to a field goal, and from then on out, it was the Saints offense all day. So, no, they're not very good. Okay. And their defense didn't show up for And once. everybody's
2: talked about Miami, okay? Shout out to my man Mick here. The Jets win, yay. <laughs> J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. They dominated the game. Yep. Like, they dominated the game. And I think that was really kind of like last week, Miami beat the Chargers and shouldn't have won. I mean, if the field goal kicker for the Chargers, I, I can't yeah. pronounce his name. Young-Way-Koo. Young-Way-Koo, whatever. Yeah. Okay, I mean, if he makes the kick, the Chargers, the, the Miami's 0-1. So they like acted all confident. And they come into the Jets, and they get stoned. I mean, they're they they going to blame Jay Cutler for of the course. loss. Of course, he
1: was already hit his head down. He's already dejected Jay Cutler yeah. that we all know and love.
2: Right, but but he he didn't play defense. They couldn't stop him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they couldn't stop him. So it was to me, it was like... You think you know this team's good, but it really wasn't. To me, that's what jumped out. And
1: can we talk about some of these quarterbacks that we think they know? There was a lot of guys that are, quote-unquote, on the, on the verge of being a top-tier quarterback. And we saw the top-tier quarterbacks at work. We saw Tom Brady yeah. you know, make his magic happen again with Brandon Cooks. We saw Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson hook up. Right. But then we saw some guys like Philip Rivers, Joe Flacco, guys in that second tier, Eli Manning, and they just look like they are completely disheveled. Cam Newton, Russell Wilson. They're just all in this weird line yeah. where they're just not playing like the guys we know. You know,
2: and I think you almost have to break that group down. Like Russell Wilson, I, I'm not ready to put him in that. Like there's a problem with Russell Wilson because mm-hmm. he's getting hit. It's really been kind of hard for him. So I'm going to keep him out of it. I mean, I think Tennessee did a really good job. They play really good. But like you take uh, Phillip Rivers. Like mm-hmm. I love Phillip Rivers, but I can't make excuses for Philip Rivers anymore. I mean, they're 0-3. He can't stop throwing the ball to the other team. He did it last year. He cost them games. I mean, for the Chargers to be 0-3. Is really a crime. Like, I think if you took, if you woke up Bill Parcells and he was at Saratoga and just said, Look, Bill, enough playing the horses, come out here and coach the Chargers for like six weeks, the Chargers would win six games. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're too good to be 0 3.
1: We they all, really are. We, I always do the Eli Philip Rivers, you know, because obviously the trade that happened. Right. They're both zero and three. If we swap them, so if we sent Eli to the Chargers and we sent Rivers to the Giants, are we still zero and three? Is it is it really falling on those oh guys? Oh my shoulders? god, I don't
2: know if Rivers would tolerate. Do you realize how many slants were thrown in the Giant? It was like a slant festival, like you know, in, in Philadelphia they have this Italian festival. It's the feast they call it down in South Philly. It's like every September. Well, oh, they should amazing. have it. Oh, it's unbelievable. Have food down 9th Street. It's it's incredible. You know the street Rocky ran down. It, it's like it's unbelievable. It's a great a lot feast. Of cheese whiz around. I'm sure. Oh uh, no, no cheese whiz. <laughs> I'm gonna change your ass. Anyway, so the point here is this: is is that. It, there's so much stuff going on, there's a festival for it, right? There should be a festival for all the slants the Giants run. Like, Phillip Rivers would die running all those slants. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have the best player at receiver, Odell Beckham, and yet they all they do is run slants. I mean, it's it was really unbelievable. So I think you could switch those guys. I think the case, I think Eli would look really bad in the Chargers offense. I think Rivers would be okay in the Giants offense, but he wouldn't be great. But when
1: you just look at Eli and the Giants team, I mean, everyone was all hyped up about Odell. He had some great catches yesterday. Obviously, the two that's touchdowns. There's the
2: first two highlights. I mean, it's the most amazing thing. Odell was <laughs> unbelievable. They lose the game, and all you see, he gets the play of the game. Yep. You get every, It's all about Odell. They Forget the fact they lost. Nobody mentions that. That's what's to me, is unbelievable.
1: I want to talk about just one thing that stood out to me, too, when we're talking about the five things that jumped out. Jacoby Brissett. He had a Byron Leftwich type play. I know a lot of people may have not watched Brian Leftwich, but he did this little like Perrier little spin yeah. move
2: and he got out and he ran in for a touchdown. He's about eighty pounds lighter than Byron Leftwich. Yeah, but too. he looks
1: like uh he looks big out there and he looked like a real quarterback for the Colts. I was impressed.
2: Yeah, you gotta wonder how they started Scott Tolzien over Jacoby Brissett. I mean, at least that gave him a chance. You know, the Browns were favored in the game. Mm-hmm. And, and Jacoby Brissett put up 28 on him. And if they watched the game closely, you know our boy Peppers? Yep. You remember our boy Peppers, how everybody said he's a great player? Of course. I read about it all summer, how great <laughs> he is. I think people should study that Browns tape about how the Colts went after Peppers when he's playing cover two, and they attacked him down the middle the field. Because what we talked about, at, when he was at Michigan, Michigan hit him. That's what they tried to do with him. And yesterday, the Browns didn't hide him. And what you saw yesterday was the Colts get 31 points going after him. I think that was interesting. It's going to be fascinating to see how the Browns kind of, I know they drafted him in the first round, how they're going to manipulate Peppers and T if he's really a safety because he can't play in the back end of the field. And let's
1: talk about the other guy on the other side of the football for the Browns. Their other rookie, Deshaun Kaiser, leads the league in interceptions. He's kind of having some growing pains, but I mean, at
2: times he still looks like a guy. It's the worst place to be in football. Uh, Yeah. It's the worst place to be in football. Is he good enough? Is he not good enough? Like, are they going to not draft a quarterback? This is what we talked about this summer. It's the worst place to be. Either he's great or you have to go get a quarterback. Like, if he's not great, and to me, you know, and – so he got yards in the fourth quarter. He made a comeback. Like, I didn't see that clearly as a comeback. I saw that as they're getting back. Like, they never had control of that game. They never were going to get control of the game. I mean, look, the Browns are, what, 1-18 in uh, one in, 18 in the last 19 games? I mean, like, at some point, all Poor this Cleveland. all this money ball stuff has to translate into wins, or else it's just going to be like my 76ers just keep losing.
1: And one more team I want to talk about. Can we just talk about the Raiders? I know we brought them up earlier, but a lot of people thought that they were a team that was in the Patriots, the upper echelon of the AFC, a team that's going to compete. And they go out and kind of lay up a dud. I mean, Kirk Cousins looks great in that game. Yeah. He started the Bay Area rivalry. I can already see Kirk Cousins getting but his fit, open head out. But it fits out.
2: the false face narrative. Like, I, I, that was not a Raider team I was expecting to see. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, like, they didn't play—I mean, their defense isn't good by no means. Yes. I mean, they're not great on defense. We gave
1: them a lot of credit last week, so I think we should have tempered our expectations a well,
2: little yeah, bit. Well, yeah, I mean, but that was—like I said it last week, though, the Jets had, were moving the football. It's 14-10 until they turned the ball over at the end of the half. But when you watch the Raiders last night, it almost looked like they, you know, Cooper's dropping the ball. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's he's throwing checkdowns on third and eight and he's just taking the checkdowns. I mean, Carr didn't look like he was really into the game. And then they, you know, the right tackle for the Raiders is going to be a problem all year. I mean, Marshall Newhouse is going to be where people attack. And I think that that's what they did. And I thought Kerrigan, I think Jim Tomasula, has done a tremendous job with the Redskins defensive front in terms of how they rush the passer. If you want to study the best way to affect a great quarterback in the NFL, watch that Redskin tape and how they rush the passer. I thought that was probably the best part of the weekend.
1: And we should give Ryan Kerrigan credit. I, I feel like a lot of times we talk about these pass rushers and his name is, for whatever reason, not quite brought up, but no, he is always causing havoc in the he, and, he,
2: and he really did last night. And they put, they were in the paint. They got into car's face. They created some problems from the first play of the game on. That was
1: the first time I didn't see him feel like the Derek Carr that's yeah. very composed. He looked like he was rushed a yeah, little he, bit, made he, some bad throws. He
2: was out of his element a little bit, but everybody was. I mean, look at it. Can you imagine we are in a weekend where Case Keenum won a game? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Jacoby Brissett won a game. Yes. Phillip Rivers is 0-3, and Eli Manning's 0-3. I mean, that's the NFL today. I mean, can you imagine that, that, that's like unbelievable?
1: It's a beautiful game. But when rules come into play, we have to talk about, I think the biggest story of the day was the the reception the detroit lions they come down 30 26 yeah we have to deal with a 10 second runoff we have a a touchdown pass looks like a golden golden tape touchdown to win the game over the falcons we review it his knee was down he was touched i couldn't
2: tell that. did you see it was down
1: i I, thought it was when i saw it live it it was 100 percent a touchdown so when they do slow it down there is a finger on him on his shoulder and his knee is down and i guess that you know he is a half yard short at that point but When the rules are coming in this much and they like it changing out, there's no way that's not a touchdown. Twenty years ago,
2: it was a tough weekend for the officials in the NFL. Really, I mean that's the other that's the other part I think about the five things that jump out at you on the weekend. Even though we gave about twenty five things here, (laughs) is the you know starting with the Thursday night game and the and the and the you know the. The mysterious OPI call that happened, which I have no idea where mm-hmm. it was. To that call, like I, I get that Blandino confirmed it up in the Fox booth. He said it was. They did a really good job. I, from my eye, I couldn't really tell. But when they slow it, slow it, slow it down. I mean, it's a tough. To me, that's a tough way to lose a game. To Detroit, I give them a lot of credit. Detroit plays hard. Detroit plays harder and tougher. And they find a way to keep staying in games. I, I I've actually been impressed with Detroit for three weeks. And
1: Jim Caldwell gets a contract extension. He has this great moment. It looks like they just won this game with this great Matthew Stafford comeback win against the you know the NFC champions and
2: it all gets pulled
1: back. What does that do, you know, psychologically to that team? Do you feel like they're going to bounce back and get over that? Because sometimes that can linger.
2: I, I think that, you know, one thing about them, they showed mental toughness. They went into New York, they beat New York, they came back. I thought they would have gotten really beaten up pretty good. They get behind in games. I think the one thing that Caldwell's team have are mental toughness. And I think it was the right thing to do for Detroit. I think Detroit had to extend Jim Caldwell because to me, you know, that's the Art model theory of hiring. You know what the Art model theory of hiring is? No, I'm going to tell you what it is. Okay, so Art model, Tate Frazier does 50 things really good, right? Yes. But, I
1: don't know about that, but I'll right, take it. All
2: so, right, so, so Tate Fraser does 50 things really good. But then Tate Fraser only does three things bad. So in Art model's world of hiring, he would fire you for the three things you did bad. <laughs> and then he would hire Michael Lombardi. Bill Simmons,
1: don't listen to this. All
2: right, yeah, don't listen, Bill. And then he would hire somebody else that did those three things really well, right? Gotcha. Okay. But then that person that he hired that did those three things really well only does twenty other things good. So now Art's 17 down in the hole. So like when you're looking at trying to make a change in a coach, do I fire this guy because I don't really like all the things he does, or do I keep him? And I think Jim Caldwell, when you're when you're Bob Quinn, at the at the end of the day, you got to say to yourself, that's probably the right move.
1: Before we move on to the guess and narratives part, which I'm very excited about, I just have one last thing. When you look at Marvin Lewis in that situation, they have this big lead against Aaron Rodgers. And it looks like the Bengals maybe have found some new life. They look like a team that maybe can bounce back, turn this thing around. And then they let Aaron Rodgers just rip their heart out at the end of the game. Marvin Lewis, I mean, they look dejected. I mean, that team... Was that the final call for this version of the Bengals? Or are they going to still just lean on them and hope that they figure it out at some point?
2: I, I think they'll lean on it. But to me, I I wish sometimes a coach when they had a lead playing on the road would call the team together and say, look, fellas, the scoreboard is insignificant here. Mm-hmm. It's zero to zero. Like at some point we got this lead because we played carefree. And then all of a sudden we stopped playing carefree. And I think Tony Romo said it really well in the game. I mean, Tony was all over it. He was like, great. Yeah. He was great in the sense that he you got to come out you got to keep attacking. You can't run the ball on first down into a strong safety blitz. I mean, you got to be able to to throw it. You got to take advantage of your skill set and don't back off. And I think that's the separation. I think sometimes that people end up, you know, there's the old line in one of those songs that, you know, you don't count your money while you're sitting at the table. I think the Bengals were counting their money while they're sitting at the table.
1: I think they were too. I feel bad for Andy Dalton. I do. I was really hoping that he I don't feel bad was... for Andy
2: because he could have checked out of the... I mean, Andy Dalton's colorblind. I'm convinced he's colorblind. Yes. He had three guys wide open on a play. He didn't throw it to any of them. Like, I'm, he has to be colorblind. Like, perhaps they should just wear orange jerseys all the time to help him. Like, I, I would really recommend strongly he go for a color test because there's guys running wide open. You don't throw the ball. He just. He I don't Ma- feel sorry for him. Mohamed
1: Sanu was the worst thing. When he left that team, they, but they all have good, apart. like they,
2: they, have good, they, they put Tyler Boyd in there. They have my man Bannister from Wisconsin. They could run him in there. I mean, the, the Packers can't cover anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, you could throw for seven or eight yards against the Packers anytime you want. Like, why wouldn't you just do that? I don't know. Don't feel sorry for him, really. Seriously. I,
1: I just wanted to give him something. I feel like he's no, getting no, a lot of hate no. these days. So I was trying to help Andy out. But, uh, you know, you're right. You're right. Uh, we're going to do a segment. Uh, it's called Guess the Narratives, where we watch all these games and we try to figure out what are the headlines are going to be on Monday. And then we're going to come back full circle and see if we were right. Um, OK. So first up for we you. We get four of them, right? Yeah, so we got you four, get two, I get two? Yeah, two for two. All right, let's uh, It takes two. And first... You guess the narrative what do you, what do you expect to see all over the t v when we're talking about the n f l uh from this this past week I think
2: you're going to be there's going to be a lot of e s p n every camera is going to be at the New York Giants in the Meadowlands really deciding on what's going to happen with my man McAdoo yep. and Odell Beckham and that locker room. I think that locker room is going to be a very, very hot point for the week and the narrative of the week. Can they go? Can they continue to go forward? I mean, they're 0-3, which means for them to make the playoffs realistically now, uh, and I'm not picking on McAdoo, but I am picking on McAdoo, it, for them to go, they have to win, they have to go 10-3. and And if you look at that schedule, I mean, it's not, a, they go to Tampa next week. Come, Tampa's coming off a loss, all right? If you look at that schedule, you say, wow, it's hard. Forget, but people say that. Like, that's the dumbest, I, what I just said is the dumbest <laughs> thing of all to say, right? Don't look at the schedule. Look how the team's playing. Yes. Right. Because right? it doesn't matter who they play. Of course. If they're playing like crap they're going to lose to the crap teams, right? So like the way they play right now, I don't think they can beat anybody. So there's not 10 wins in the way they're playing. So for me, I think the narrative is going to be what happens with the Giants? Who's the next coach of the Giants? What do they do with Eli? There's so much intrigue. It's in New York. I think it's going to be out. I think it'll be like... Nobody has to produce anything. All those Syracuse graduates that are producing shows in New York—they don't have to work at all this week. They, they, it's just going to flow right out.
1: It's a big week for S and Y. They're going to really hold it down.
2: Oh my God! It's like could you could bet no better programming at all. I hope the Jets get some coverage for a win. No, they won't even. Uh, that's the <laughs> thing we didn't even talk about. My man Mick and the Jets are one are one and two, and the and, and the Giants haven't won a game. I mean, who's the worst team in New yeah, York? The who King of New York right now is the New York Jets. Thrown, yeah, I mean, really? I mean, they could go to Arthur Avenue and eat all the pizza they want.
1: My first yeah. guess: the narratives. Cam Newton is, is this the is the end of the ride of Cam Newton? I think a lot of people are going to flip this whole thing. I was with a lot of fans. I, w- I was just talking to people yesterday at the stadium, asking about Cam. They're like he's been they're like this a way. casino
2: host at the game. Yeah,
1: well, they're like well, you know I we've seen this for now a year and a half, and he's not he's not coming back from it. Mike Shula. Someone's gonna get on the chopping block. It's gonna be Mike Shuler. It's gonna be Cam. They're gonna bench Cam for one of these games. They're never in... benching Cam. They're, they're never gonna...
2: benching Cam. They're never, never, ever. It's like they're never benching Eli in New York. Like, look, just so we get this right. I mean, Eli's never getting benched, and Cam's never getting benched. Oh, so that's never happening.
1: There's a lot of people that are calling for Derek Anderson for you know, whatever the, reason. Know, he is the most lovable backup I've ever seen. People like him more than Cam Newton. All these Carolina do you fans make me so sick.
2: When they brought in the guy to testify before they brought in uh, the, one of my favorite characters, Frank Pantangeli. Yeah. And they said there's a lot of buffers in the mafia. Yeah, the mafia has a lot of buffers. Well, co- assistant coaches are buffers. Like mm-hmm. Cam, and they have buffers before they're going to get hit. So like Cam and Eli, that's going to be Mike Shula. It's going to be Ben McAdoo, but mm-hmm. it ain't going to be those guys. All right. They're a lot of buffers. I hope not. They have a lot of buffers in it. But I'm yeah,
1: already ready for the yeah, full Senator, Cam Newton flip. Yeah, gonna, Senator. There's a
2: lot of buffers in here.
1: They're going to be all over that. Uh, number two, your guest scenario is for this week.
2: I think we're going to talk about officiating this week. Okay. I think there's going to be a lot of officiating talk. I think there's going to be back to the, you know, are we making the right calls? I think whether it's the 49er game, whether it's the Lion game that you cited, whether it's the Von Miller play that's going to get stuck under. Did you see the Von Miller play no. Von gets called for a penalty when he pretends he's going to help Tyrod Taylor. Oh yes, yes, yes. And yes. then he pulls so were, it back.
1: Yeah. Like and they I, both laughed at it. They they were it laughing was a at joke. each other. Like yes. and they
2: called a fifteen yard penalty. Now look, I mean the Bronco fans think they had a poorly officiated game, which it probably was. Mm-hmm. But I thought Buffalo would win the game. That, that's for another segment. But the reality of it is, is, I think the officiating and when you watch this league and you see all these calls being made. I think that's going to be, it's week three of the season going into week four. I think officiating is going to be the co- topic of conversation. And I
1: would tell you a, a better example of that that I saw at the Panthers game. Thomas Davis, he hits Mark Ingram right as Ingram's going out of bounds pretty hard. And Teow gets up and they all kind of get in each other's face, little scrum. And they go back out. Ingram watches the replay himself. No flag was called or anything. He watches the replay himself, sees that he was on the field. And then the next play, he goes up to Thomas Davis, and they kind of like, right. he's like, My bad, I, I overreacted. I was still in play. Right. And, and Which it was is like, a good thing. But the, that's what I'm saying. The players, like, they're smart enough on their own. They're grown men. They can, you know, they're still playing a game. There's a sportsmanship there. The rest don't have to be involved in everything. We don't need a mediator, an arbitrator in every situation. Sometimes you can let the players figure right. it out on their own.
2: And I'll take one more. Like, Richard Sherman should have got thrown out of the game in yeah, Seattle. I, I mean, like, that I don't was know how he's not thrown out. Like, that was
1: the worst hit I've ever. Like, he literally led with his helmet 100%. If it right. was in college, I mean, they I, would I think thrown this, him out. Yeah. But but not only games. that,
2: he was, he was berating the official up until, the, to me, he should have been thrown out before that hit. Like, he was berating the official. At some point, like, when do you take the game over? So, to me, I think that's going to be a conversation. Like, he's going to get fined a lot of money mm-hmm. when you're going to say to yourself, what's the fine going to do? He's making so much money. Like, if they would have thrown him out of the game, it would have impacted the game more. I think that's going to be a conver- conversation.
1: My last one. Yeah the Raiders. I'm expecting a players only meeting this week.
2: Oh, it's too early for no, that. No, no, that's okay. what I'm
1: expecting. Derek Carr is going to have up Jack Del Rio took all the blame. He in, the, in his press conference he said it was on him. I have to prepare better, I have to get this team better. Than the usual coach stuff. But I feel like Derek Carr is going to call a little players-only meeting. He's going to get everyone together, galvanize the group. It's it's a PR push. It's it's just a story. But all these Oakland Raiders fans, they were freaking out last night. (laughs) Where's our team? This isn't the team we thought we had, all this stuff. Well, it was false face weekend. It It was
2: false face weekend. I mean, that's really what it was. But I don't know if it's a little too early. Like, to me, I could see... The Bengals having a team-only meeting. A Giants, definitely. I could see them having a team-only meeting probably to talk about you think about.
1: Eli goes to the players-only meeting or he just waits like, out I don't and is like, give me the, like, give me the like, I don't
2: know what you do if you're the Giants when you throw your quarterback under the bus like McAdoo did and then you lose the next week. Mm. Like And really, you lose to a, an Eagles secondary. And really, the Eagles played with guys at the back end that you would like say wow the Eagles walked off that field with a 61 yard field goal thankfully they Jake made. the worst play in football for the whole weekend was the Giants allowing the Eagles to get in a field goal range like that was really bad like if you see the spot of where Wentz throws the ball to Jeffries like there's no chance they should be and if they tackle him in bounds there's not even any attempt like, that was really poor. Like, McAdoo could lose his job over just that situation. I think that's the other thing. Situational football has gotten worse and worse as we go through it. Mm-hmm.
1: I just want to say, we, we've we given Doug Peterson some harsh times here.
2: You're not going to give him love, are you?
1: I'm not going to give him love, but I will say it was a beautiful moment. Those Eagles fans, they don't sell it. You know, they get a, a they little upset so... most of the time. So for to see them all together cheering, oh and Ben McAdoo's hair that slicked back perfectly, kind of like rose up a little bit. Uh, it was good. I mean, McAdoo,
2: fun. I I mean, you could we could really break down that game. We could almost do a segment. You know what's that thing we do on on where we go over movies rewatchables so oh, on yeah, the podcast re-watchables, yeah. We could do a rewatchable of the of the of the Bob Lamont bowl. Endlessly so like left. Like third and one from the one inch line, he throws the fade over there that's incomplete. <laughs> and then on fourth and one, he runs the ball. Like the Giants lose the game because they can't score in the red zone. I so anyway, so I'm I'm during the game. It's fourth and eight at like almost midfield. And of course, naturally, your boy Peterson—he decides to go for it. Like yeah, the Giants have no chance to really score. Like they haven't moved the ball the entire first half, right? Uh-huh. So if he punts there, like yeah, they you eat, pin him deep and then, pin him yeah, deep, yeah. they're yeah. going to go into halftime seven nothing, right? But not Doug. He's playing Madden, <laughs> right? So he's playing Madden. He goes and he for, wants the
1: fans on his side. Maybe that's why they like him. You know? No,
2: but that's the point I'm trying <laughs> to make here. So the so Chris Carter tweets out that. Doug, that's the worst call ever. Stop listening to Philadelphia fans. I retweeted it. Then people start giving me shit for we ret- we didn't. Nobody in the stadium wanted him to go for it. I'm like, I didn't. I didn't say you did. I'm just. I retweeted with Chris Carter. He's at the game. Yes. I mean, he he's was, here. He's
1: live there. He's live happened. at
2: the game. Yeah. I didn't retweet it. I mean, I retweeted it. He's there. I figured he heard what they were saying. So they were no. Nobody in Philly wanted him to do it. So even though Doug won, I think Doug revealed himself in that game.
1: I'm hoping Doug figures it out. No chance. <laughs> All right, Lombardi, before we move on, we're going to take a quick break.
0: Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I want to tell you about the Ringer's gambling podcast. It is called Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, and you're not going to believe this, but it is hosted by Cousin Sal, the biggest degenerate gambler that I know. He's such a degenerate. He has three other degenerates that he calls the degenerate trifecta, and they break down every conceivable gambling thing you would ever want to gamble on. They even take it to Captain Morgan's Make Believe Casino, where Sal makes up props on, on all kinds of things, sports, pop culture, you name it. You are going to want to get your gambling advice from these guys. Cousin Sal, he's been a staple on the BS podcast for the last 10 years. So good that we gave him his own podcast. Check it out, Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Let's do some awards. Yeah. All Let's, right. Let's do uh, uh, the awards of the week. Yeah, the awards of the week. We're going to run them down. Uh, I right. love I love how you had this all set up. So I'm just going to go along for the ride a little bit. All Everyone right. Well, lock you know, in, everybody,
2: it's got to be some kind of pop culture reference. So to me, the first one is the KGB award, the, the team that really got bluffed. Like, okay. like you know, KGB kind of got bluffed. Which you have you watched that movie Randall? Yes, this? I have. I, is, that, is that is that am I too old to watch that? I, no, I, that's I good. can watch that like it. Like I can watch it all the time. But anyway, <laughs> so to me, the team that got bluffed and kind of got faked out, I think are the Denver Broncos. Okay, I think the Buffalo Bills are good. I've said it before. I think Sean McDermott's a really good coach. Also represented by Bob Lamont. So I just don't hate all of Bob Lamont's coaches. Okay,
1: big fan of McDermott.
2: I'm a. I've been a huge fan of McDermott since the day he got there because I think McDermott gets culture. Mm-hmm. I think he gets. I think. I've never would ever said this, but LaShawn McCoy says things that I actually agree with now. Mm -hmm. Like he's bought into the whole team concept. It's his team.
1: I love it. it. He
2: got traded from Philly because he wouldn't buy into the team at all. And so to me, I thought Buffalo, if you look at Trevor Simeon's record on the road, if you look at what he's been able to accomplish, it hasn't been very good. I think Buffalo beating Denver there to me was a shocker. They They played their hand. It was really well done. And I give Buffalo the KGB award.
1: I was really impressed with Tyrod Taylor and the the way that McDermott runs. Tyrod is a guy that's always been a bootleg quarterback in a certain way. But when he's out in space, it's like Russell Wilson. They play in a very similar style. He looks like he is in complete command of that offense and he's fun to watch. And they're a scary team when Tyrod's playing like he did yesterday. Look,
2: they could be undefeated. If you watch the Carolina game no, closely, if Absolutely. you watch that game closely, I mean if they hit if he hits Zay Jones over there on the sideline, they're gonna be undefeated. I think this Bills team, everybody's talking about Miami. I think the Bills team is gonna give the Patriots trouble. I think they're gonna give everybody trouble. I think they're really well coached. They have a really good culture. I think they're building something bigger than what everybody sees. I think they're sneaky good. I, I like Buffalo. So to me, I think Denver got duped. Denver, to me, got KGB. They, got a, they, they saw a hand they went all in on, and they couldn't win.
1: Congrats to the Denver Broncos, on winning an yeah. award this yep. week.
2: And then, of course, I got to give another award to my uncle, Fred Palermo, who's basically the architect of the Cheesecake Factory menu. Mm-hmm. So Fred Palermo believes that not, you, know, you can't go to a restaurant that has too many things on the menu because they can't cook them all good. And I think that Jacksonville deserves the Fred Palermo for running the reduced menu, the, the beaten Baltimore in there, you know, Checkdown Blake Bortles was really good yesterday. It was Drew, a Blake
1: Bortles special. I was, it was really a happy Blake for
2: him. I mean, people are tweeting me, now nah, do you think he's a good quarterback? Well, yeah, if he can throw checkdowns the whole game, sure, he looks good, you know? And, and they, they did that a really,
1: defense is something else, too. They
2: did a really good job. And, and to me, Baltimore losing Yonda, we talked about it last mm-hmm. week. That was revealing. But I think the Fred Palermo Award this week goes to Jacksonville. I think they really deserve it.
1: I would have never thought that the Jacksonville Jaguars would have won an award in the first week we do awards. So I'm very proud of Jacksonville for overcoming that. I mean, Great look, they,
2: they dominated the game. It wasn't even a game. I mean, like I was walking the dogs. That was the other thing about it. It was really good. Like I took Bell and Lana out for a walk with the game in my pocket. Like mm. I could listen to it in my thing. It was it was remarkable. And I had to, I could actually watch like if there was a play. So I'm streaming. So I'm walking down like that path along the beach, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm looking. I'm like there. You know, I can see that. I mean, well, how good is that? That's like, a life. That that's really pretty good. As Bill Parcells would say, it would take a lot of that to kill you. <laughs> it would take a lot of that to kill you. I like that. It would take a lot of that to kill you. All right. So and then what's the third award is?
1: If you don't know now, you know the notorious award of the weekend. Let's let them know.
2: You now know that the Giants are done. Okay you now know we that. should
1: say historically teams that have started 0 and 3 only three teams have made the playoffs and it hasn't happened since 1998 yeah so that's where we are giants fans that's where we are Bengals fans i right. mean we it, you know tough we didn't spot. even talk
2: about this i mean we said case keenums won a game i mean jared goff is two and one and eli and rivers haven't won a game to me and the other one we haven't talked about ben roethlisberger hasn't been ben roethlisberger that mm-hmm. draft if you go back and see that eli ben that draft right now those quarterbacks haven't been the same. So. You know, To me, I think the Giants fit here, now you know. Maybe the Bengals are here, too, as now you know. But to me, that was the weekend.
1: I will say that whole class, I feel like, of elite quarterbacks, you hit a wall at a certain point, and I think all those guys are hitting that wall. And Brady was good enough to get past that wall and take it to the second phase of his career. And we didn't even
2: talk about that. Like, Brady, like, that game, the Patriots almost, not almost, they should have stubbed their foot in the fourth quarter. I mean, Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson was the real deal.
1: He— that was, was the a real first deal. time a, a national champion had played the Super Bowl champion. The quarterbacks had faced each other, which was very cool, I thought. And Deshaun Watson looked like he was up to the task. I he mean, was a real deal. Every Patriots guy after the game, they're all going up to well, him. They're here, like, you're, you're a real quarterback. I,
2: here's what I think people missed, and this is probably should could have fit into the narrative of the week, but I think this is really important, is if you see Brady's reaction mm-hmm. after the game to Deshaun and have that conversation which they have, and Brady looking at him, and I know Tommy well, and looking at him, you could see there was a really a lot of ex- a, a respect for Deshaun on and I think Houston has to feel like we have a quarterback like like that's enough we're not going to if he throws three interceptions next week we're going forward we're going to keep going because this guy's going to keep playing and what what Dabo said about the guy is true the guy's a winner and we talked about it on the podcast like I don't get Cleveland like I really don't understand Cleveland they've passed on Dak Prescott to pick Cody Kessler they passed on Carson Wentz they passed on on Deshaun Watson. I mean, forget Jared Goff. I mean, you you can say what you want. I think they're dressing Jared Goff up really well now. But I think the reality of it is, is if you're the Browns, like Deshaun Watson would have changed your culture of your building.
1: And he would have loved it.
2: And he would have loved it. He He would have have bought into the whole thing. He would have stayed in orange and he Mm -hmm. would have brought... So to me, you've got to sit there and say, wait a minute, I think we blew it. Because to me on Sunday, watching Deshaun Watson, he made Houston an interesting team. And the Patriots defensively, oh boy, they got a lot of work to do. Really? A lot of work, you think? Uh, yeah they couldn't stop him. I mean, they couldn't slow him down. I mean, really seriously, it took all of Tom Brady Tom Brady almost turns the ball over with this is not going to get talked about. He almost turns the ball over twice on the last drive. He gets hit, fumbles, recovers. I think uh Andrews or Mason recovered it Tom didn't I even mean, recover. then the next play he throws a deep post and it almost gets picked off. The kid drops it like mm-hmm. everybody thinks it's picked off, and you could hear a hush in the stands. And then he throws the Amadoa throw. But to me, the Patriots really, they won the game. But in that building today, they lost.
1: I would say Bill O'Brien was so visibly upset at the end of the game. It was like the little brother playing his big brother, and he had a lead. You know, going into the final game, they were playing like a best of seven series back in the backyard. And then you throw it away. Like he was very upset with himself. But it made me believe that. Because Bill O'Brien's been waffling on who's his guy and where the Texans yeah, there's no the quarterback. More yeah, I feel like he's really surefire that Deshaun Watson is guy because even after the game, he was very upset and he was like, we should have won that game. So. No, they,
2: they should have won. And I mean, I think to me, Deshaun Watson proved all the accolades we gave him this spring about how good he is. I think Deshaun Watson's really good. I think Deshaun Watson's going to keep getting better because Deshaun Watson, human being, as a person, as a leader, I think he's going to change that Texan team. They just got to get better on They had nobody in their secondary. And I think that was the real issue of the game. I mean, they couldn't really cover. And the only way they have covered in the past is they got called for a bunch of defensive holding calls which they did in the game but I think what you saw with the Patriots were able to get the ball to Cooks and Brady's throw for the touchdown to Cooks might be one of the greatest Tom Brady throws ever. Like there's no reason to make that throw. Mm-hmm. They're playing cover two. Like he throws it to the back pile on. I mean it was really remarkable.
1: He Brandon Cooks looked like the real deal yesterday. So he did. He, he really figured it out. Uh, final award: the Paul Newman Award. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I, love I, Paul I, Newman. Was, a, I was a joke. I love Paul Newman too. I love but Paul Newman. You know that most people my age think Paul Newman is just a guy that makes like dressings and stuff like that, like in a grocery store. The
2: great, one of the greatest books I ever read was Paul was Paul and Me by A. E. Hockner. It's mm-hmm. fascinating and how he discovered. The 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 salad dressing he made it in his barn in Greenwich Connecticut just kind of messing around with it and all this stuff he's done for charity to me I love Paul I, anytime there's a Do you watch the Sting
1: what do you mean the, oh no no
2: I've never seen any no, of his I've movies never
1: seen it. well I've seen some of his movies I haven't seen the Sting you
2: should take like a weekend and just like watch watch all his all his movies are good they're great his honey mustard's great they're all uh, everything's good you know Bella loves his dog treats too oh, really? oh yeah like I go down to my office in the morning after I get well, done walking them. I got Paul Newman snacks down there. I got two lagotos ready to eat. They're GM ready.
1: Street is not sponsored by Paul Newman dressing, but we will be. Yes, we I will hope so. if you want us to be.
2: All right, we'll figure Good it enough.
1: out. Uh, week, we got week four. We got Monday Night Footballs coming up. Should be fun.
2: Which will add to the narrative. Yep. Let me just let me just let me just yeah, say one this. Thing, yeah, one let me tidbit. just say this. If the the Cowboys lose, which I believe they will. Sorry, Sal. I think that's going to really add to the the Dallas Cowboy narrative. I think they're going to be with the Giants in that narrative as well.
1: Can I just ask this of the NFC, NFC East coaches? Yes. Who is the most likely to be on the hottest of hot seats? Oh, McAdoo's
2: on the hottest oh, right. seat right now. I mean, he's on the hottest seat. I assume seat. so. 0 yeah. and
1: 3 obviously puts you there. But if Garrett, I don't feel like Jerry, Jerry was at the Arkansas game this weekend. I was watching him in the box. He's got Arkansas decked out looking like, you know, the, the Burgundy Cowboys at this point. And I was like, Jerry is not messing around with losing, you know, anytime soon. So
2: Yeah, if he loses tonight, which they, I think they will. I don't think they'll beat Arizona. I think it'll be a hard game for him. I think that then they're 1-2 and two coming home to play the hot, hot LA Rams. Mm, you know, we talked about it on the podcast. If they end up their first six games, I think it's five games before the bye, They were tough to play. I think the Cowboys are in a little bit of trouble.
1: I think they should trade someone for Sean Payton.
2: They could. I mean, but that's 10 million bucks a year. Now you got paid. You want, you know, Jerry gonna pay 10 million for a coach. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think
1: that's going to happen. Yeah. All right. We'll be back Wednesday on GM street. Uh, It'll be a fun weekend in football, a, a fun night of Monday night football. And then we'll be back to talk about the Thursday night football game and all of week four Lombardi. This has been fun. Good. Thanks, Tate. All right. Thanks to everyone for listening. This has been GM Street on the Ringer Podcast Network. We will be back on Wednesday.